All right, if you have your Bibles, turn, I said, to Hebrews chapter 12. We looked at verses 1 and 2 last week. We'll see what we get through this week. thought I would close out the uh, chapter, but Gabriela's 87-minute rend- rendition. We'll be all right. Hebrews chapter 12. Father, we thank you for your word and Lord, just so many things to lift up to you. Ultimately, Father, we just lay them all down at your feet. And as we've had an opportunity to worship you and to sing praises to you, Lord, that just prepares our heart for your word. And so we just pray that you would speak to us through your word. We thank you for this opportunity. And we pray that you um, speak, speak clearly, speak loudly to our situation and just continue to grow us up in the things of God. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said. Amen. So, verses 1 and 2 were an application to the Hall of Faith. The chapter of faith. Hebrews 11. And he lets us know, the author, that we're in a race. That as we run this race, we don't want to be weighed down. We want to lay aside the weight and the sin, which so easily... Entangles, And so we went through all of those things. And then he told us in verse 2 to keep our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And so we will stumble. We will make mistakes. We will sometimes um, not be uh, running the race as, as, as well as we want to. But the key is not looking at the slip up, the fall, the stumble, the mistake. God bless you. The key is keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and finish of our faith. And then we get to verse 3 and he says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And so sometimes we do get weary, don't we? And sometimes we do get discouraged, don't we? But we need to look to Jesus and consider him who endured such hostility from sinners. Remember, this group of first century Christians were struggling and they were having to endure, but they hadn't gone through anything that we saw in the hall of faith. And now as Jesus, he's using him as an example. Verse four, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. And so, have you been spanked? Who could say, yes, I've been spanked by the Lord? Awesome. Then we belong to God. If we've been spanked by God, then we belong to God. If we could say, nah, I've never been spanked. Well, you, one of two things is happening. You're perfect or you don't know God. You're not his. You're not his son or his daughter. And so it is difficult. It is tough when we get a spanking. But it's so good because it, it causes us to sit up in our seats. And it, what I notice is it, it changes our perspective. It gives us a paradigm shift. Our eyes look at things differently. So who wants to share a time that they were spanked by the Lord? I'd love to, love to hear your story. That would mean that we would have to say what we were doing was 
Don't say what you were doing. Just say, man, the Lord spanked me and this is what he taught me. Pastor Daniel's telling me that he's been spanked. All right, we'll take your, we'll take your word for it. All right. Okay. So when we say that the Lord disciplines us, chastens us, um, the chastening of the Lord, as it's called right here, don't despise it, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked. Um, is everything that bad happens in my life a spanking from the Lord? No. 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 So there's storms of correction, which is a spanking, and there's storms of perfection, sometimes just to grow up my faith, to cause me to trust deeper. Okay, So no, not every time something bad happens in your life do you have to sit there and say, whoa, this is a spanking. I must be doing something wrong. Sometimes you're doing something right and you're growing and the Lord is, is just growing you up in things of God. So uh, don't, don't do that. But, but I do try to reflect when things go on in life that I don't want them to be going on. I do try to say, Lord, am I contributing to this? Is there something you want to tell me? Is there something you need to speak to me? Uh, but usually, generally speaking, trust me, when the Lord spanks us, we know it's, it's a defiance. We know why. We know what. We know when. It's like, oh, he got me. Okay, okay, I got you, Lord. I hear you. And the most important thing in those moments should be, I just want to be right with you, Lord. I just want to be right with you. And there is a growing, there is a, a developing in our faith when that happens. So don't despise it, he says. Don't, don't, don't resist it. Don't you know, ask God not to do that. You want God to do that. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. You want his will in your life. And so he loves you. He has a phenomenal plan for you. And he remembers the little prayers that you pray. Lord, take me deeper. Oh want to go deeper lord use me oh you want to use be used lord you know he remembers those things whether we're saying them in a worship service and we're just lord i just want to give my all to you oh you want to give your all to me okay he remembers that and he knows our heart even more than what we say he knows our heart and our heart's desire and he knows just the beauty of being close to him so don't despise it and receive it and make sure that you grow by it. It's, it's a growing opportunity. You know, we have rules in the world for what's appropriate, inappropriate, what's acceptable in any given culture, what's not acceptable. Yeah, God don't care. God don't care. God ain't politically correct one iota. Okay? If he's going to get the, the rod out and bend you over and give you a good one, you know, take you out to the woodshed, as they say, he's going to do what he has to do. But it's his love that is driving him to do that, to, to straighten us up, to just get our attention. And the, the fruit of it is so, it's always just so awesome what we learn in those moments because he doesn't spank us all the time. In fact, he rarely does that. Unless we're just a stubborn mule, most of the time he is so suffering long with us. And he will endure and tell us over and over and over. And trust me, he's more patient than anybody I know as far as what he puts up with us. So when we get spanked, it's, it's, it was time. It was time. 
So don't despise it. In verse 7, he says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as, as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they, indeed, for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, and we may be part, uh, that we may be partakers, notice, of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so we want to make sure that we are trained by that which God is doing. And again, these guys are going through some difficult times. A lot of the difficulties that they were going through were no, to no fault of their own. But there may have been things in wanting to go back to that system, wanting to go back to the rituals of the Old Testament, and not seeing Jesus for who he really was. That was just foolish on their part. And so some of it, God wanted to teach them those lessons. Verse 12, therefore, strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. And so the application, this, this chapter is just full of application. It starts with get strong. It next is get right, get bold, and then watch out. That's how he closes out the chapter. And so he starts here with get strong. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Straighten up. Don't, don't, don't let your hands hang down. Don't slouch. Don't recognize that our time on earth is short in contrast to eternity. And so pay attention to what God is wanting to communicate to you and be careful. The next thing he goes into is getting right. Verses 14 through 17. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. He didn't seek repentance diligently with tears. He sought the birthright diligently with tears. We've got to be careful how this is worded. But Esau was wicked. And he was a temporal man. He was living on the horizontal plane. And he gave up his birthright, not once, but twice, for a morsel of food. Horrible. Horrible thing for him to do. He was a carnal, horizontal thinking man. So we need to pursue peace with all people and holiness. He says, without which no one will see the Lord. That's kind of sobering, isn't it? Are you pursuing holiness? Are you being separated from this world? Right now, you look at what goes on on the news. On, on just, Christian has no business on either side of those protests. Yeah, you know, oh, I'm mad at the world. I'm mad at the world, and we beat each other up. Christian has no, no. This isn't our world. We have no business in that mess. We're we're trying to share the gospel. We're trying to get 
the gospel of, the, of God's peace, that people can make peace with God out. So be careful with getting bound in the craziness that is going on all over the world and in our culture. We should be pursuing holiness. We should be separated from the world, separated to God and the things of God through the word of God. He says, without which no one will see the Lord. So it's one thing to be saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. The faith isn't even yours, right? God gave it to you. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. But there is a something to be said about participating and cooperating with God. I was thinking about this while I was driving today. Every good thing that is going to be declared from our life is going to be, we're going to recognize in heaven, was given to us by God, was put there by God. Are we participating with that or are we resisting that? Because that's what it comes down to. There can be more good that can flow in and through our lives if we would yield and surrender to God. But what do we do? We hold him at arm's length. We, well, ah, Lord, I don't want to go that deep. Well, Lord, I don't really know if I want that. And we resist God. I think we should be participating with God. I love those two scriptures in Philippians chapter 2. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's your part. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. What's that? God's given you the ability and the desire to get it done. What are you doing with that? Because you can resist it. And he gives an example. He had somebody who was the opportunity to be blessed beyond his, his wildest, I guess, imagination, lest there be any fornicator, profane person. Okay? In the middle of that, he says, be careful, don't fall short of the grace of God because a root of bitterness can spring up, cause trouble, and defile. What is a root of bitterness? An experience happens in life. An experience is built on the past and it's the straw that broke the camel's back. And now an extraordinary response to this one situation because of all the other things that added up and before you know it, you've, 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 you've reacted, you've held on to it, you've, you've allowed that emotion to dwell up greater than this situation should have caused, but it's a history, right? Somebody stepped on me here. Somebody messed around with me here. Somebody <clears throat> marginalized me here. Somebody, and then boom, this person, and then now it's just, I'm fed up. And a root of bitterness, resentment, anger held on to, um, a misunderstanding, just all marginalized. All these things can happen and before you know it, you let a root stay there. If God is gracious to you, what is your response to God being gracious to you? You've got to be gracious with others. If, if God is giving you mercy and says, do you want mercy? The only way you get it is if you're merciful. In the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, the only thing that's repeated at the end of the Lord's Repair, uh, Lord's Prayer, Lord's Repair, the only thing that's repeated at the end of the Lord's Prayer is, oh yeah, make sure you forgive people. Because if you don't, I'm not going to forgive you. And you look at that, you read that, and you're thinking, well, I mean, I've already been forgiven. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I received that. I'm accepted. Yeah, what does that mean? I don't know, but Jesus said it. And I don't think he was playing or kidding or messing around. 
But forgiven people should be forgiving people. It's just something that God wants to do. Now Hebrews is repeating it for us, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. So you contend with that. You deal with that. Don't harbor unforgiveness in your heart. Don't hold on to anger longer than you should. Don't hold on to resentment longer than you should. Don't hold on to hurt longer than you should. Deal with it. Do something with it. Even if you have to surrender it to God and say, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't like it. But worse was done to you. And if you're telling me to forgive, by faith, Lord, I'm going to forgive. I'll wait for the moment. I'll wait for an opportunity. Forgiveness doesn't mean you can't hold people accountable. Forgiveness doesn't mean you can't set healthy boundaries in people's lives. But forgiveness means in your heart, you're not, and this is all you know. If a pers- that person's name comes up in conversation, what is the first like reaction? What is, what is the first that's how you know. Oh, oh, don't even, oh, you don't even know what that dude did to me. Oh, that's, whoa, whoa, what's that? Whoa, you better surrender that to the Lord, man. You gotta give that to the Lord because that's gonna defile you. That's gonna harm you. That's gonna hurt you. So we need to be very careful with that. Any questions on that? Because that's, whoo, that's a big, big topic and we struggle with this because as we go through life, things happen. Misunderstandings. People don't act perfectly. And it's hard. I mean, you need the Lord. You need to look to the Lord. And, you, and it, it's a process. I don't think, you know, maybe for some people it's easy and it's an instantaneous thing. But when you're truly like dogged, marginalized, hurt, when somebody does something to you wicked and you're like, oh, oh, mm, you know, because at some point you're like, no, it ain't right. It don't feel good. You know, but I think it's a process and walking with the Lord and and just surrendering that to the him. And then boom, we take it back and then give it right back. And then we want to take it back again. And then we hear it's a process and it's a journey. But go. Go through the journey with the Lord, bring the Lord in on it. Don't like, Lord, you got salvation. I got this one. Let me see that person in an alley. Ooh, ooh. You know, no, no, don't. That's not how we handle stuff. OK, so be careful. Because the Lord doesn't want us to be defiled. And that root of bitterness can do that. Does that include the bitterness I've had through this time I'm, going, I'm walking? No, I think yours is just a genuine personal struggle of just what's going on. Well, you, you can get bitter from it, but I'm praying that the Lord doesn't allow you. So you just keep surrendering it to the Lord. Even when you want to take it back, you give it right back to Him. Okay? You're, you're definitely struggling, I'll tell you that. And I don't think anybody would. You don't want a natural reaction to your set of circumstances. You want something supernatural. You'll only get that from the Lord. Mm-hmm. You want something supernatural. You want to rejoice for this. That's what God calls you to do. <clears throat> Begin to thank God for it. That's supernatural. Okay? And that's your work inside. All right. Moving on. Verse 18 through 24. Get bold. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and to the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the, the, the word should, that the word 
should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so, and if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men and made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. What? And so you had this incident in Exodus where God was represented on the mountain. His presence was was known to be made on this mountain. And if a beast, if an animal even touched it, it would be consumed because that mountain was considered to be holy. And God is so holy that he will consume anything that comes into his presence. And that was the Old Testament. And the only way they can approach him is through sacrifice, the bloodshed of animals, all of that, right? And even Moses, the friend of God, feared because this was God. I don't think we understand the holiness of God. I don't think we understand how awesome God is. I don't think how unholy we understand how unholy we are, but that was the Old Testament. And then he contrasts, what? A new mountain, Mount Zion. And it's all positive and how we can approach God and how we can commune with God and how we can now have a relationship with God. And so he makes this contrast, and I know I had it somewhere in my notes. Mount Sinai was marked by fear and terror. Mount Zion is a place of love and forgiveness. Mount Sinai is in the desert. Mount Zion is the city of the living God. Mount Sinai spoke of earthly things. Mount Zion speaks of heavenly things. At Mount Sinai, only Moses was allowed to draw near to God at Mount Zion, an innumerable company, a general assembly, is invited to draw near. Mount Sinai was characterized by guilty men in fear. Mount Zion features just men made perfect. At Mount Sinai, Moses was the mediator. At Mount Zion, Jesus is the mediator. Mount Sinai brings the old covenant, which was ratified by the blood of animals. Mount Zion brings a new covenant, which is ratified by the blood of God's um, precious son. I think I got two more. Mount Sinai was all about exclusion, keeping people away from the mountain. Mount Zion is all about invitation. Mount Sinai is all about the law. Mount Zion is all about grace. So what is grace? The opportunity to come to God's throne at any time that we want because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And so just a powerful contrast as he talks about, what did he just finish talking about? Discipline. God chastens us. Some of the difficulties we're going through could be God's chastening. Then he showed us, hey, be careful. Don't let a root of bitterness spring up. Don't forget the grace of God. You receive the grace of God. You want to be gracious as well. And then he shows us the contrast. Look at what they had. This first century Christians that were thinking to go back to Mount Sinai. Really? You want to go back to Mount Sinai? No, 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 no. You want to sit <laughs> You want to sit in Mount Zion. The precious, beautiful things. All right. Uh, fourth part, watch out. Verses 25 through 29. Last section here. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we, we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. 
whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Has God changed? Yes or no? No. No. God is serious. He says what he means and he means what he says. And he's serious about sin. But we live in this time capsule of grace. And I don't think we know how wonderful and awesome it is. But never forget that our God is a consuming fire. The uh, Psalm 2 is just an incredible psalm that speaks to me of the world laughing and scorning God, the powerful people in positions of authority, the audacity that humanity has to question the almighty creator. And God says he stands in derision and he laughs and judgment is coming. And so let us not forget that. That's powerful. We've foregone judgment because Jesus was judged for us. So we no longer have to be judged. God will never punish you. Never ever will he punish you because Jesus was punished for you. He will discipline you. He will chasten you, but he'll never punish you. And that's some good news. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for just your patience with us, Lord. We thank you that you love us, that you have a plan for us, that you are doing a work supernaturally, Lord. And uh, Father, I know that as we struggle, um, I pray that we would invite you in to the struggle, that we would never push you away or never think that um, you're mad, Lord, at us. You're not mad at us. You're madly in love with us. And you know our frame. You know we're frail. You know we're but dust. And so, Lord, I pray that we would truly desire to participate with you and just allow you more and more access into the cracks and crevices of our hearts and our minds, knowing that they're deceitful, they're wicked. And so, Lord, thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for this relationship that we can have for you and just pray that you continue to have your hand upon us for your plan in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.